بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمده و نسلی علی رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمدللہ tonight is the 12th of December in the year 2022 and alhamdulillah we spent a few sessions discussing the fathomless subject of the awesome status of our beloved messenger so to continue with this inexhaustible subject in Behaki in Ishu'ab al-Iman, number 9125 and 6-517, Al-Saydawi in his Mu'jam al-Shuyukh 1-97, Sayyidina Abu Qatada radiyallahu, he said, When the delegation of Negus, rahmatullah came to the Prophet he stood up to serve them. His companion said, Ya Rasulullah, sallallahu we can sufficiently do the hospitality for you. He responded, إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا لِأَصْحَابِ مُكْرِمِينَ فَإِنِّي أُحِبُّ أَنْ أُقَافِئَهُمْ Verily, they honored my companions previously. Thus, I now love to honor them in kind. Subhanallah. So, let's look at this. So, Negus, the famous Abyssinian king embraced Islam and he sent a delegation and this delegation were just wanting to serve to be with the Prophet So when they arrived, the Prophet stood up and he started serving them personally. So the companions obviously said, Ya Rasulullah, we, we can sufficiently do this. But then what did he say? They honored my companions, meaning in Abyssinia. Thus, I now love to honor them in kind. So, what's the lesson? Our beloved Messenger loves to honor those who honor his companions. Now, think about that. He didn't say, it is my duty to honor them. He said, I love to honor them. For in me, أُحِبُّ أَنْ أُقَافِئَهُمْ Subhanallah, look at the status of the Sahaba. Flipping the coin. What a fate awaits them who foolishly do the country. Now think about that. If the Prophet said, I love to honor those who honor my companions, then what do you think his blessed state would be to those who dishonor his companions? So note from this we learn again the principle of the Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah is that the companions were chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Indeed, it was these majestic students who witnessed firsthand those awesome miracles that took place at his blessed hands. So let's mention some of the less well-known companions. Sayyidina Abu Umama al-Bahili, whose tribe embraced Islam after witnessing an awesome miracle. It is related upon embracing Islam our beloved Messenger instructed Abu Umama al-Bahili to go and preach to his tribe. So this companion was from the tribe of Bahil and the Prophet told him, go back to your tribe and preach to them. Upon arrival, his people treated him most disrespectfully and they did not even give him a drop of water, let alone food. 
They then turned him out, rebuking and scoffing him. So look how strange. He's lived with them, he's grown up with them. Just because he's embraced Islam, they've turned against him. And they disrespected him to such a dis- uh, level, they gave him nothing. And they actually took him out of the village. He was thus restless and feeble with hunger and thirst. And thus fell senseless in an open field. Subhanallah. As he was in his dream state, an angel came with a pot full of milk, which he gratefully drank to his fill. When he awoke, he was fully satiated. So look how strange. Obviously he's traveled, he's had nothing to eat, maybe for days. <coughs> his own tribe has exiled him. So he collapses somewhere. And during his sleep, an angel gives him a pot of milk. And when he wakes up, he's actually fully satiated. Meanwhile, back in his tribe, some benevolent and sober people reproached their people for treating one of their own as they did, which would now be a shame for them. Thus they sent a search party out for Abu Umama radiallahu and they found him in the open field. So what's happened? So obviously, if you do this to your own, it's dishonor for the tribe. You know, like we say, you know, you know, one of the jail statements, if he's from us, whether he's wrong or right, we are, for, we are with him. He goes, so we've disrespected because we need to bring him back to take the dishonor, the stain off. And they found him in the field. They then offered him food and drink. <laughs> and he replied, this is in Behaki, Hakim in his Mustadrak 3-642, Kanzul Omal 16-222 and other references. He replied, I need your food no more. For my Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala has satisfied my need. And he mentioned the dream. When his people saw he had really been satiated, finding upon him no signs of hunger or thirst, they were so deeply moved by this miracle that the whole of his tribe embraced Islam. <laughs> so look how strange. The Prophet told him to go and preach. So obviously he gets there. and Obviously he's trying his best to see, make his tribe see the beauty of Islam. They, they didn't want to hear it. <laughs> Because, you know, they were against Islam and they did what they did to him. And when they observed the miracle, all of them embraced Islam. So note, he was a very famous companion for that tribe, Abu Umama al-Bahili radiallahu. Another thing we can mention about this Sahab, in Abu Nu'im al-Hiriyah 10-129, his maidservant, she relates, My master Abu Umama radiallahu was extremely generous and would never refuse a beggar. Once he only had three dinars, and he was observing fast that day. By chance, three beggars came that same day, one after the other, and he gave them one dinar each, and then went to sleep. <coughs> so stop in the report. So his maid servant goes, he was extremely generous, and she mentioned an incident. He goes, he had three dinars, and he was fasting, and then he gave each of those dinars two, three beggars, and he fell asleep. I later woke him for salah. He performed wudu, and he left for the masjid. I felt pity for him, for now not having a single dinar or even a grain of food to break the fast. 
I therefore borrowed from somebody, prepared the meal for the night, and I lit the lamp. So, think about this. She's a maid servant, and look at her love for the master. So, in you know, like you say, because she was his slave. But do slaves have much have this much love for their masters? So she thought, look, he's had nothing. He's gonna have nothing to eat. He's, he needs to break his fast. So she borrowed something, prepared the meal, lit the lamp. Then she said, then whilst making his bed, I noticed there were three hundred dinars lying there, and I counted them. So I was thinking, where did these come from? <laughs> when he returned home after the Isha prayer and found the lamp lit and the meal ready. He smiled and he said, By the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there seems to be prosperity in my dwelling today. That's all he said. So after he had had the meal, I thereupon said, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy upon you. You left these gold coins carelessly on your bed without asking me to put them in a safe place. He goes, 300 dinars, he goes, he just left them lying. He goes, you should have told me, I would have put them somewhere safe. Abu Umama asked surprisingly, what dinars? <laughs> I have not left a single dinar at home. <laughs> Hearing this, I showed him the gold coins, which he was pleasantly surprised upon seeing, and he said, I can call it nothing else but an invisible divine aid. Subhanallah. So, <laughs> So let's look at this briefly. So first of all, what's interesting, he's given three dinars. So Allah Ta'ala has given him 300 baik. And famously, the Prophet Sallallahu said, I swear that charity does not diminish wealth. He's, you know, he swore an oath. So we shouldn't find it strange. But most of us understand that to mean that Allah Ta'ala will give it to you. Maybe definitely in the next world, and maybe you'll get it back in this world as well. But the Sahaba, their next level. He gets it back same day, right? So he's multiplied by a hundred. Then, look how interesting, he does wudu, he's left for the masjid. And the report says, he returns home after Isha. So when did he leave? So this seems to indicate, he's out. Fajr, Zohar, Asr, Maghrib, and then when he comes back after Isha, meaning he must have been doing whatever he, whatever he was doing. And when he saw the food, he goes, Alhamdulillah. Meaning, there was nothing here, but Allah has blessed us. Then she told him, and look how, you know, much respect she had for him. She didn't interrupt his meal. So he broke his fast, he ate, did everything. And then she, she said, May Allah, Allah have mercy upon you. Why did you leave these carelessly? And he also shows how honest she was. Imagine a slave next minute, you know, back pocket, you know, even use it to get your freedom. You know, you, you know you're allowed to do. And then he says, I've left no coins. And then he explained, this is the divine aid. What else do we know about Abu Umama al-Bahili? Hafiz ibn al-Atir in his Asad al-Ghabah 3-16 he mentioned about after embracing Islam Sayyidina Abu Umama al-Bahili entered the peace treaty of Hudaybiyah and was exalted with the honor of Baytul Ridwan. So he's one of those fortunate blessed 1,400 souls who pledge allegiance under the tree meaning guaranteed paradise. Then Hafiz ibn al-Atir said, he related 250 a hadith. So quite a few hadith he's narrated. First, he lived in Egypt, but then went to Hamas, where he passed away at the age of 91. So he lived on to 
you know, grand old age. Some of the historians have written he passed away in 81 AH. As this was well after Hazrat Muawiyah's Khalifat. He would apply a yellow dye to his beard. And the reason for that is the Prophet loved that dye. Abdullah ibn Umar was all over, he's on his clothes, the yellow dye. Because the Prophet loved this dye, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be well pleased with him and forgive us all for his honorable sake. Amen. So note, why am I mentioning this? Because even the less well-known companions, there's no such thing as an average companion. You'll notice that. You know, you know, like a nominal Muslim. This is a companion that, you know, you might have heard some people narrate the hadith from Abu Umar, the Prophet وسلم, said, but what do we know about him? And yet, if you look at these few facts and figures, you realize he was a great, you know, very dear soul to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let's turn to another less well-known sahab. Sayyidina Rafi ibn Khudaj, radiyallahu in Asadul Ghabah 2-151, Qanzul Umal, volume 16, page 5. During the Battle of Uhud, an arrow struck Sayyidina Rafi ibn Khudaj in his throat. And his uncle brought him to the Prophet. So obviously he wasn't martyred, but it was a very serious wound on his neck. The Prophet وسلم, said, If you wish to be a martyr, do not remove this arrow. Otherwise, if you wish, I will now remove it. Thus, whenever and wherever you die with this arrow in your throat, you will be counted amongst the martyrs. So look how beautiful the Prophet said, I can take it out for you. Meaning your health will come back as it was. But if you bear with this inconvenience, as they say, and you die with it, you will be amongst the martyrs. He left it. Subhanallah. And lived on for 70 years in the same condition, performing all the routine activities of his life. He even performed further jihad against the unbelievers, but was not troubled by this arrow in any way. Then in the year 73 AH, the wound opened again, which resulted in his passing. So imagine how strange is this? You see a sahaba with the arrow. I don't even know how to picture it. Is it like, does that mean there was a bit of the, was just the arrowhead? Allahu Ali. But it was lodged in his throat. And I don't know where it was lodged. Front, side, back. Allah Dalai knows best. And then you'd think, okay, he's got a wound. He's not going to live long. 70 years. And then you're thinking, 70 years? Okay, then he, okay, he's crippled. He's not going to be able to do anything. He does jihad. So imagine the unbelievers fighting him, thinking, who's this person? He's got an arrow in his neck before he even shot him. Shot a single arrow. And then his passing away was well after Hazrat Muawiyah's Khalifat. And that same wound opened again. Look how interesting. And then from that he passed away. So the battle of Uhud, if you look at uh, the timeline, that was in 3 AH. So 60, 70 years later he passed away. 70 years he had that wound. SubhanAllah. What else do we know about Rafi ibn Khudaj? Hafiz ibn al-Atir in his Asad al-Ghaba 2-151, he mentioned, Sayyidina Rafi ibn Khudaj, his kunya is Abu Abdullah, he was amongst the Aus, i.e. the Ansar tribe from Aus. He was turned away from Badr due to his tender age, but he participated in Uhud and the campaigns thereafter. So look how interesting. Badr, he wanted to participate, he was too young. 
Ohad, he definitely participated, meaning he must have been at the threshold. He led his whole life in Al-Madinah Al-Munawwara and he remained the chief and head of his nation. He passed away at the age of 86 in 73 or 74 A.H. in Al-Madinah. So Sayyidina Rafi ibn Al-Khudaj radiyallahu May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be well pleased with him and forgive us all for his honorable sake. So what do you notice again? Each sahaba have got their lives and you notice their lives. There's always something amazing about them. Let's mention one more. Sayyidina Ya'la ibn Murra radiyallahu in Behak, Sayyidina Ya'la himself, radiyallahu he said, We were passing through the cemetery with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and I suddenly heard a blow causing a great sound inside the grave. I was shaken, <coughs> and I asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa I have heard an explosion in the grave, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, Did you also hear it? I said, yes. He said, a person is being punished in his grave. It is that sound you have heard, O oh, Ya Allah. I asked, Ya Rasulullah, why is that person being punished? The Prophet said, he used to bite, bite and did not save his clothes from urine. So let's look at this. So now what's interesting Senior Sahaba did not hear the punishment in the grave. We recently went through the life of Bilal, radiallahu, and the hadith is in Ahmad authentic. And the Prophet says to Bilal, "Woe to you, Bilal! Don't you hear?" And Bilal said, "No, because I don't hear anything, Ya Rasulullah." And then he mentioned that a person was being punished. There's a grave here, so Bilal didn't hear. Another example in Sahih Muslim, the Prophet sallallahu was with uh, on a beast of burden. And all of a sudden, the beast of burden almost threw him off. And then he paused. And then he said, I was thinking about asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, to let you hear the punishment of the grave. But then I realized if I did that, you would stop burying your dead. Subhanallah. So think about that. So what did Ya'la hear? You know, you get this impression. You know, it's a slight explosion and maybe a... The Prophet explained something. He goes, it's so petrifying. Because imagine what would stop you from burying your dead? That's a Sharia requirement. He goes, I don't want to bury him. Why? Because I don't know whether he's going to get punished. And I know the punishment. I've heard the sound of it. So the Prophet wasallam, and also another interesting thing about that same report in Sayyid Muslim, his beast of burden almost threw him off. And yet the other companion's beast of burdens wasn't affected. So the scholars say this explains that the animals can hear, but not universally. It's only when Allah allows them to hear. Why? Because you get people, obviously some of the non-Muslims, they take their pets for a walk in the cemetery. And you're walking past and you think, that dog's not fit, he's not hearing anything. Why is it? And that shaitan playing with the ignorant person because Allah has not opened it up to that dog. But every now and again, you do see it. You see birds just suddenly fly you know, as if they heard something. You hear a cat screech, you hear a dog, you know, growling as if he's heard something. And that is what the meaning of the report is. So now he heard it. And how do you describe it? He goes, I heard an explosion in the grave. <laughs> Think about that. This is well before dynamite. <laughs> what does that mean in those days? I heard an explosion. How do you have an explosion? Before gas, dynamite. 
So what was he hearing? And the Prophet then look what he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, did you also hear it? Why? Because people don't usually hear this, meaning you've been blessed. And then he mentioned that the person used to bite bite and did not save his clothes from you, meaning he was a Muslim. Astaghfirullah, imagine he wasn't an unbeliever. So who is Ya'la ibn Murrah? In Akmal, page 623, it mentions, Sayyidina Ya'la ibn Murrah, Allah, belonged to the tribe of Banu Thaqif, I from Taif. He was a brave and gallant companion who fought in many campaigns. A large number of hadith were taught by him. He was counted amongst the muhaddith of Kufa. Subhanallah. <coughs> so his origin is from Taif, uh, which is about 30 miles from Mecca. And from the little details we've got, he was a very brave companion on the battlefield. He then moved to Kufa and he related many hadith. And they actually thought he was a muhaddith. Ya'la ibn Murrah. And what's interesting is he must have been young because those who narrated many hadith, they were the young companions. Why? Because they lived long. The senior ones didn't have much time like Abu Bakr, Siddiq, etc. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be well pleased and say that Ya'la ibn Murrah and forgive us all for his honorable sake. Amen. So in a nutshell, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa I opened the session with, he, he said, I love to honor those who honor my companions. So think about that. If Rasulullah loves to honor those who honor his companions, then what about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Allah will certainly honor those who honor the companions of the Prophet. Why? Because they were chosen. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he said in Sayyid Bukhari, he goes, my generation were the choicest, i.e. the best, than those after them, than those after them. So they were the chosen generation, meaning they weren't just there by chance. Allah ta'ala put them there to help the Prophet And also, a time is coming, the Prophet mentioned in the Sayyid, he goes, you'll be doing jihad. And you will ask, is there any companions of Muhammad amongst us? And they will, the answer would be no. <coughs> Then they would say, are there any who saw the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And the response would be no. And then the same would be for the Tabatabi. And the reason they ask is because Allah Ta'ala will give them victory because of them. The Prophet actually said that. So the victory and honor gives through one companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa And for you to become a companion, it's very interesting how the scholars, you know, clarify upon this. They say that for you to be a tabi'in, a, a student of a companion, you need to spend a few months studying with him. So if you just see a companion and you're Biman, that doesn't make you tabi'in. People just eagerly think that. Because if you're a Muslim and you see a sahab, you're tabi'in. No, you're not a tabi'in. He goes, why not? Because then Hajjaj bin Yusuf's tabi'in. He goes, hey. and he goes, oh yeah. So you have to study with them. Taba Tabi'in, they say, you have to study with a Tabi'in, spend months with him. The Sahaba are different. So you think, well, they should be the same. They should spend a few months with the Prophet, study with him, and they become Sahaba. And the answer is no. They only need to spend a moment with the Prophet. And the scholars say, because of the enormity of the prophetic rank. Because of the enormity of the prophetic rank. Otherwise, you're equating the Prophet to the Sahaba, the Tabi'in, and you can never compare the two. 
because of the enormity of the prophetic rank, one moment with the Prophet, he casts his blessings, eyes upon you, and you have Iman, you die with your Sahab. So note, that is showing their status, but it's linked to the Prophet. That's why they're given so much honor by Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? Subhanallah bihamdi ismanika Allahumma bihamdika ashlu la ilaha illa anta astaghfirika atubu alayka wa dhibillahi mirashid azim subhanahu rabbika labbil izzati amma yisifun assalamu alayhi wa rahim alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen bismillahi rahman rahim wal asr in insan lafi khusr ladina amanu wa amilu salihat wa rawasibil haq wa rawasibil sabr sadrallahu alayhi wa sallam